Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 16, verse 11. You guys got there? You good? Great. So for the past couple of weeks, we've been in this series called All the Feels, looking at emotions that you and I feel, the feelings that we have. But what we're doing is we are looking at them through the lens of what the Bible has to say. Because the truth of the matter is, emotions are not necessarily bad. In fact, they're given to you by God. However, emotions are poor gods. I have a friend who says that emotions are great companions, but they're poor guides to life. And so when we live by our emotions, it leads us to destructive places. And for that matter, when we don't understand our emotions in light of what the scriptures have to say, it can lead us to some dark places. We can believe some lies about the ways that we feel when after all the scriptures speak to the way that we feel. And so we looked at a couple of emotions and, and with anger and fear, and those are necessarily negative. Generally, as we think about those things, we think negatively. But tonight, we'll look at an emotion that I think everybody thinks of as positive. We'll look at happiness. It's an emotion that all of us feel. And it's interesting to me, and well, maybe it's not interesting, this has been true of me, that many people in the church have pitted happiness against what Christians ought to pursue. Here's what I mean. We shouldn't pursue happiness because happiness is changing all the time. We shouldn't pursue happiness because happiness is what the world chases. You should pursue joy. No doubt the Bible uses the word joy far more than it uses the word happiness. But we should understand this. They're synonymous in light of what the scriptures have to say. So we should not put them in opposition. We shouldn't say, okay, because we're Christians, God is not interested in us being happy. We think so often, and it is a mistake, God is not interested in your happiness. That's a false claim. In fact, I would go so far to say, God is more interested in your happiness than you are. But he's not interested in the product. He's interested in the source. God, we're going to see in the scriptures, God is offering us this source of happiness that is a well that never runs dry. It is a circumstance that never changes. It is a source that never fails. And what we have bought is something way cheaper. Something ever-changing. If I could just say it simply like this. We have settled for the convenient quick, fast food when the offer on the table is a well-cooked steak. And for some of you, you're like, "Uh, fast food is always my choice, man. Like, I live and die on fast food. But I mean, if we're really just thinking about this and we're thinking about this sanely for five seconds, the reason that you choose fast food is not just because you think, oh, it tastes good in the moment, but you, you choose it because it's convenient and it's quick and it satisfies whatever feeling you have like this. It's quick. It's immediate gratification. But when it comes to like a well-cooked steak, it takes time. It takes pursuit. We got to like, like sit down at a table. Like there might be a white table. There's going to be a waiter that comes up, takes my order, and I got to tell them like what kind of steak that I want, and I got to tell them like how I want the steak cooked because if they don't get it right, then I'm not going to really like the steak as much. And then they got to go cook it because it's not like I'm pulling a patty out of a drawer that I cooked four hours ago. It's like I'm cooking this steak in this moment after you order it, and then bringing it to your table hot, not off of a lamp, but hot off of the grill kind of scenario. 
And we, off, we often settle for the instant gratification of fast food when God is offering us something far more satisfying. We settle for the instant gratification of worldly happiness when God is offering us a way better source, namely himself, himself. So, so if you don't hear anything from the rest of the night, hear me say this. God is interested in you being happy. He is more interested in you being happy than you are. But he loves you enough to say to you, the source that you're gaining happiness from actually won't give you what you want. He's more interested in the source than he is in the product. And I think you'll see that as we look at these two passages. Psalm 37, verse 4, we'll be the first one to read, then I'll read Psalm 16, verse 11. Psalm 37, verse 4, this is what the Word of God says. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So here's the idea we want to run with tonight. God is not opposed to our happiness. In fact, he commands that we root our happiness in him. One more time. God is not opposed to our happiness. In fact, he commands that we root our happiness in him. So let's identify this cheap happiness that I'm talking about. This quick hit, this instant gratification kind of happiness. Generally, the happiness that you think about. What do we mean when I say cheap happiness? Cheap happiness is this. Cheap happiness is found in whatever makes you feel good. We think happiness actually is whatever it is that makes me feel good. If there is a physical pleasure, that makes me happy. If there's a material gain, that makes me happy. If there's a social gain, an athletic gain, an academic achievement, that is what makes me happy. If it feels good, that's what will make me happy. And so we pursue what feels good in order to gain happiness. And friends, look at me when I say this to you. You'll drink from that well, and it will leave you thirsty. There's a passage in John chapter 4 where Jesus shows up to a well, and there's a woman there. And he's like, hey, girl, give me a drink. And she's like, I'm sorry, do what? You're not allowed to talk to me. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. This isn't how this goes. He says, if you, if you knew who it is that was talking to you, you would ask me for a drink. Jesus isn't talking about actual water. She's still talking about actual water. She's real confused at this point. He's talking about fountains of living water flowing out of her. And she's like, man, I'm, I'm confused. Like, our, our father Jacob built this well. Like, do you know anything about that? He's like, hey, go get your husband. Go get your husband. She's like, I don't have a husband. He's like, that's right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the guy that you're with now, he's not your husband, is he? And so maybe she's had a hard life, or maybe it's, it's that she was seeking happiness in some kind of 
acceptance or some kind of pleasure. And Jesus is exposing her in his kindness to say, you'll drink from that well and you'll thirst again. But if you come over here, you would drink and you'd never thirst again. Cheap happiness is chasing whatever makes us feel good. Physical pleasure, material gain, social, athletic, academic achievement. Whatever makes us feel good. That's cheap happiness. The second thing for cheap happiness. Cheap happiness is governed by our circumstance. It's governed by our circumstance. If things are good, then I am happy. If things are bad, then I am not happy. Our circumstance governs how I feel. But when we look at the scriptures, it's far different. This is not to say that God is not God is not concerned whether you're sad or not. It is not to say that God is not concerned whether you're suffering or not. It's to say there is a kind of happiness that supersedes, goes outside of, goes above your circumstance. Because friends, if your happiness is based off of your circumstances, you're going to find yourself riding an emotional roller coaster for the rest of your life. Because your circumstances rise and fall all the time. In so many ways, you don't control that. So we can't link our happiness to our circumstances. That's cheap happiness. It's cheap happiness. C.S. Lewis, in this essay called The Weight of Glory, has this quote. It's long, hang with me. Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, meaning if we think about how glorious God is and how good he has been to us in the death and resurrection of Jesus, if we think about those things, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. This is cheap happiness. We're far too easily pleased. We're satisfied with physical pleasure, social status, academic achievement, material gain, social media likes. We're satisfied with those things all the while God is calling us to a happiness that is far greater. We're settling for fast food when the offer on the table is a well-cooked steak. It's cheap happiness. It's cheap happiness. And remember, God is not opposed to our happiness. He's opposed to you sourcing your happiness in cheap things. God loves you too much to let you, to, to let you continue to put your happiness in cheap things. It would be God's kindness to rob you of those sources. It would be God's kindness to starve you of pursuing things that are cheap sources of happiness. Because that's what a good dad does. That's what a good dad does. 
So then what is real happiness? What is real happiness? The first thing is this. Real happiness is pursued. It's not circumstantial. Real happiness is pursued. It's not circumstantial. It's not based on our circumstances. It's pursued. Psalm 37 verse 4, we read it. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not circumstantial. You don't delight yourself in the Lord based on your circumstances. You pursue that. You delight yourself in the Lord. You pursue that happiness. Philippians 4, verse 4, Paul says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. You know where Paul's writing this letter from? Prison. So if happiness is based on circumstance, we should say that Paul's not happy. Rather, he's commanding the Philippian church, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Pursue it. Chase after it. It's not based on your circumstances, it doesn't rise and fall with your circumstances. And this should, this should help us. Because if your happiness, if your joy, if your delight, if your gladness, use whatever synonym you want. If all of that is based on your circumstances, then you're going to read the Bible and you're going to be confused. Because people in the Bible suffer. And in fact... Paul to Timothy says to disciples, you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? You're going to be persecuted. It's a promise. Jesus says to us, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. It's a pro- so, so if we think that our happiness, joy, gladness, delight is based on our circumstances, when we read the scriptures, we're going to be confused and think, God's not actually after my happiness. I just want to be happy. But we would be making a big, big mistake, missing that God is actually inviting us into an elevated, superior, greater happiness, one that goes above your circumstances. Thus, we hear from James in James chapter 1, verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when, when you meet trials of various kinds. That's not the circumstance we would typically find happiness in. And yet James says, you should count a joy when you do this. Why? Because there is a joy that goes above, outside of, beyond your trial. That's real happiness. Real happiness is one of God's desires for us. Real happiness is one of God's desires for us. Look, John 15 verse 11 says this, These things I have spoken to you, this is Jesus, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he is saying, You know what I'm after for you? That you would have full joy. When we think about the Christian life, is that what we think about? Or do we think about rules? Do we think about getting things right? Do we think about not messing up so we don't go to hell one day? The reality is, is that Jesus is saying, come to me, abide in me, follow me, and you know what I'm going to give you? Fullness of joy. God is more after your joy than you are. So let's never doubt that he's not about our happiness. 1 John 1 Verse 4 says this, And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. Real happiness is one of God's desires for us. The third thing that identifies real happiness, real happiness 
is only found fully in God. Real happiness is only found fully in God. You remember from the beginning when I said, yes, God is interested in us being happy. However, he's not interested in product. He's interested in source. What are you drawing from? God loves you too much for you to chase things that are cheap sources of happiness. And so real happiness is only found fully in God. That's what we read in Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Only in the Lord do we see that the desires of our heart are met. He's the source. He is it. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life in your presence. There's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Not somewhere else, not in achievement, not in pleasure, not in social status, in your presence, and at your right hand. God, you're the only source for this in its fullness. Do we think that in God's presence there is fullness of joy? Not pieces of joy, but fullness, and it's it's the only place that we can actually find it. Matthew 13, verse 44, Jesus tells this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. What does it take for a man to say, I'm going to give up everything I have to buy this field because it's that good. It says in his joy, he willingly parts with everything that he has because there's a greater source somewhere else. That's real happiness. Philippians 4.4, Paul says, rejoice, but notice where he says to rejoice, in the Lord. Always, again, I will say, rejoice. He doesn't just say rejoice in your circumstance, rejoice in your scenario, rejoice in your wife, rejoice in your husband, rejoice in your money, rejoice in your clothes, rejoice in the Lord. He's the source. He's the only source of fullness of joy, full happiness. God is the only source. But Kate, how can that be? How can it actually be that God is the only source source of full joy, of real happiness. How can that be? Well, maybe most obvious is because God is the creator of happiness. If God is the creator of all things, then God is the creator of emotions, emotions, then God is the creator of the emotion happiness. So that means that God knows where to find happiness best, namely in himself. So you can know That full happiness is found in God and God alone because he's the creator. He made this up. Second, you can know that he's the only source of full happiness because he has satisfied the deepest need in you in his son's death on the cross and resurrection from the dead. God in his kindness saw our helplessness and our sin sent his son Jesus to live perfectly where you were supposed to and to die the death that you and I were supposed to and to rise from the dead as the victorious king 
And to all those who place their faith in Jesus, who confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you are saved. And listen to me, that is meeting the deepest, greatest, largest need in your soul. And if God is able to do that, then certainly God is the only one able to give you the happiness that you're looking for. He's met that need. Why can he not meet the other ones? Last thing for real happiness. Real happiness is rooted in God's glory. Real happiness is rooted in God's glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this, So so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all things for the glory of God. And we think about that verse. I, I think when we think about this verse, we think, okay, so as I play on the sports team and as I go to school and as I interact with my parents and as I hang out with my friends, I should do those things for the glory of God. And that's right and good. That's right and good. But the reason that we do those things for the glory of God is also for our good. God is not merely saying, do these things for my glory because I'm narcissistic and I love myself and you just have to give me praise because I need it. God is not in need of anything from us. God is due glory from us. But listen to me. Our desires to be happy and God's command to live for his glory are not opposed to one another. In fact, a guy named John Piper would say this, they should be one in the same. That our desire for God's glory should be what makes us most happy. Our happiness is rooted in God's glory. I mean, this is what he says in Ephesians chapter 1, 11 through 12. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his counsel. So that we, who were first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. That is, you were saved by God, adopted into his family, by grace. Whose benefit is that? Yours, mine. But, it's, but it says in Ephesians 1 that that was done to the praise of his, that is, God's glory. So what was for God's glory was for your benefit. Because because the things that are for your benefit when it comes to your relationship with God are the things that are for God's glory. And the things that are for God's glory are the things that are for your benefit. Your happiness is rooted in the glory of God. It's rooted in the glory of God. And again, that's why James can say in James 1 verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers, when you face trials of various kinds. Why? Because God is going to receive tons of glory from your trial. And there is a happiness that is outside of your trial. It's outside of your struggle. And I hope that's really helpful news for some of you because what you're facing is crummy. And if our happiness lives and dies in our circumstance, then we find ourselves rising and falling with our circumstance. But God is inviting us into something better. He's saying, don't settle for the fast food. Don't settle for the immediate gratification. Don't settle for the cheap, 
happiness when I'm offering you something better. I'm offering you something better, something higher, something greater, something outside of this. And listen to me, teenagers. This is where you live. You're bombarded every single day to buy cheap happiness on social media, in a relationship, with your friends, on the team, in the classroom, with your parents, on the internet, and on and on the list will go. You are bombarded with opportunities to buy cheap happiness. And God is saying to you, my happiness is better. I actually have better happiness for you than anybody could offer. Come to me. Look to me. I have what you need. Will it feel weird? Yes. Will it be totally abnormal for most of the people in your school? Yes. Will it be abnormal for most adults in your life? Yes. Will it be the kind of life when Jesus says, I've come that I might give you life and give it to you in full? Yes. Don't settle for cheap happiness. And God's inviting you into something better.